0: Hey, 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 love and light to each and every one of you guys. Welcome to the Dope Black Chick Podcast, your audio guide to releasing your dopeness. All right, guys, so, you know, I want, I'm trying to figure out the best way to start this show. This episode has been a trying one for me. Um, This one is me literally doing a thought process um, session (laughs) a thought process session with you on the mic like I am still trying to figure this thing out here so I adequately named today's show nearing the breaking point let's get into it and i really 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 encourage you guys to comment via um sending me an email the dope black chick at gmail.com because i think i'm gonna continue this conversation um at least once a month um until i can get some clarity on it so i would love to read some of your responses and your questions as we discuss this um let me just start this way and give you guys the point of this episode. This is all about a reaction to the Netflix uh, docu-series, When They See Us, um, directed by Ava DuVernay. It's a powerful docu-series on the true tragic story of five young black men. Um, They were tagged the Central Park Five. You may have heard of them, may not. Um, But they were convicted of a crime late 80s. um, They were convicted of a crime that they did not commit. And uh, the conviction happened through a total miscarriage of justice. And they were exonerated many years later. Um, And so this is the true story of what those five men went through. But I'm not going to discuss the story what became apparent to me um, because I was personally experiencing it but also observing it is that there is a bigger story here and that story is about the mental dexterity of black Americans it's how we are literally nearing a breaking point um, just hearing a lot of the conversations or seeing the posts from people just in the conversation the question of saying have you watched this you know um, I think it was Friday when it was released I'm not really sure if it was Thursday or Friday I know I had went back to South Carolina on, Friday, on Thursday night because my aunt passed and, and her funeral was Friday morning. And so I was back in South Carolina and I have to digress a little bit before I go into how this has affected me. But South Carolina is a trigger for me. I love where I grew up at. Um, I love it because of the family ties and I love it because of, you know, the things that I was taught as I was brought up. So my childhood was amazing in the country. I loved the freedom that I had in the space that was allowed to me. However, also growing up in South Carolina, you are very privy to racial injustice. You know about it very well. um, And you grow up with this sense of knowing what, what, is really going on like what's behind the curtain oh you know uh, south carolina's uh slogan is smiling faces beautiful places yeah there's a lot of smiling down here but behind that smile there's so much more and there's so many stories and um i don't know if i if you're a south carolinian uh listener then i'm sure you you understand and i didn't quite get it Like I have, I pride myself in a person that really understands the struggle, but I didn't understand the effects of the struggle on myself until I moved to Atlanta and there immediately was, um, like a weight was taken off of me, especially in the area that I live in. Um, I'm on the East side of Atlanta and (laughs) you know, everything is just. I see my people daily everywhere I go (laughs) chocolate city over here like that's what I see 99% of the time I may go like a whole week two weeks three weeks without seeing um, a white person I see other ethnicities but I don't see white people often And that has a lot to do with the fact that I work from home too. So, you know, I'm not out in the workplace. But anyway, so I had to digress to that and just let you know that that's number one why South Carolina is a trigger for me. Because immediately when I get to South Carolina, that weight is put back on me almost immediately. Um, Even when I'm with my family, you know, we have a great time. I enjoy them. But it's like when you step outside of that. So I had to say all that because I was with my family. And if you've been a a listener of the show for a long time, you already know that my mom is like the militant midget. (laughs) She is the one who has fielded us with so much um, information about black American history, about who we are. As Africans first and Americans second she's just really um given us so much knowledge right so I was talking to my mom and my sister and I saw a couple posts about uh, when they see us a lot of people were saying hey getting ready to check out when they see us um, have you watched when when they see us and I do remember seeing that You know getting that message about the film And that I wanted to see it I have already known the story Of the Central Park 5 okay? So I know that story But I am a big documentary Buff right So I was already Weighing out if I wanted to see it And so I asked my 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 sister first and she was like No I haven't had a chance to see it yet And then my mom was like I saw it And it's difficult And, you know, she said she had to stop. She said she had to stop and watch it in fragments. And for that to come from my mom was interesting because she watches this kind of stuff all the time. Um, and she's really, like I say, my mom is just really militant and she always uses everything for fuel for herself. Um, And she's taught us how to tap into the greatness um, of our struggles. But just the way she said, you know, uh, it was difficult. So I knew right then with the space that I was in first at the loss of my auntie and back in South Carolina feeling that extra weight. I knew I'm definitely not watching it tonight. You know, I'm not watching it this weekend while I'm here. This will not be happening. That's not on the agenda. So I had already put that to the side. And, you know, during my time in South Carolina, I had an opportunity to talk to one of my eldest aunties and she's, she'll be 97 years old this year. I am so excited um, that I had an opportunity to sit down and gather some information and history from her. So there were some things that she gave me while we were talking and I do want to share it with you guys, but I I, I still I'm still processing uh, what she she said. But basically, you know, I had already known about a family member that had been murdered at the hands of a white man before. And then I get more information that it has happened two and three times on the other side of my family um, at the hands of white people. So. You know, and there's no justice. There's no justice. Um, I think one of these may have happened in the early 40s. Another one of these happened maybe in the 30s or 20s. Like, there's no justice. Zilch. And I think it was at that moment when I was like, I don't want to see that film. I was so angry because we haven't been getting justice ever. And... Um, The anger began to mount. So this is how I view um, African-Americans or this is how I view us. I feel like we have, we're like a pot that has just been simmering, you know, and oh my gosh, it's been simmering for so long, right? And at that moment, guys, I felt the boiling and just even the thought, even the, the consideration of watching A Miscarriage of Injustice again, the, the lid was coming off. Okay. And I felt it in my spirit. I felt it all over me. It was anger. It was stress. It was just, you know, uh, feeling so unheard and unappreciated. Um, I was driving through the country and you know, that area looks exactly like a plantation today. You, there's no doubt that that's what it is. They're not trying to hide that history. It's there. And I was just, you know, as I'm driving, I can see these bodies working and toiling, you know, for the benefit of those very people that turned around and killed my ancestors. So I was hot. I was 38 hot. Okay, (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to paint the picture for you guys so you can understand where I was. And so um, I came back to Atlanta, I got back to Atlanta as quick as possible, Um, got back Saturday evening to decompress. I made it known to people that that is what I was doing. I needed Sunday to decompress. And I took full advantage of that. Um, Just decompress. I actually didn't really look at social media much. Um, and I just decompressed and I was trying to, you know, get my thoughts in order for the week, you know, planning my week. And I think in the process of like trying to plan my week is when that light came on to say why, what's the fucking point, you know, it hit me like, bam, what's the fucking point. This has been going on and on and on and on. And it's just not going to stop. So what do black people have to do? Like, what's the point? You know, and I think that that Monday is when we got the news about Jay-Z becoming a billionaire. That news broke and maybe it was Sunday. I'm not sure. Um, And I was just like, I, I love the fact that this brother has overcome the odds and but what's the point (laughs) you know like what's the point I remember having a conversation with my mom and we were talking about are we being um pandered to with the whole reparations conversation and which I truly believe we are and that's another topic that I'll discuss some other time but I was just saying like they're never they're never going to to have a real conversation about that because they can't afford to pay us back for what we've done. You know, that you can't afford it. We've built this country. So the only true reparation is to turn it over to us and that's not gonna happen, right? So um yeah, like unless you're allowing all black people to walk into the homes of their choice to choose, live free for the rest of their lives, never have to pay taxes, never have to do any, you know what I'm saying? Like if we could just pick whatever we want and just have, that's the only way that you can adequately repay us for the work of our ancestors. You know, there there's no return on that. So I don't look for it, you know. And so I'm just like, you know, what's the point? It gets so frustrating. Even with the quest for a billion dollars with Brother Jay-Z, it's like, I'm glad he got it, but he's just getting a a fraction of what is owed to him. (laughs) You know, What what is exactly owed to him? Why did he have to put in even more work to get what was owed to him? It's like someone taking away your stuff, but then making you work to get it back, like that's mine. That's how I feel. All right, I'm coming around the corner with this, guys. This might be a longer episode than 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 usual, but I, I'm trying to tie it together. I want you guys to feel where I was. I know how you feel. So anyway, the question became: the question became, why are we telling this story? Right? What what's the fucking point? And so I know that stories need to be told. I am a huge advocate for us using our voices and telling our stories. And here's why. I know that our stories need to be told because the others, the colonizers are known for changing history. They will make the story whatever they want to make it and make you believe that. Right. A.K.A. Christopher Columbus. So it is important that our stories are out there no matter how traumatic they are. We have to continue to tell these stories, just like the stories that my auntie told me was important for me to know. Yes. Did it hurt to hear? Yes. But did I need to know this story? Yes. I needed to know that there's an uncle that I would never meet because he was murdered at six years old. You see what I'm saying? Like, these these are stories that need to be told. And this latest film is having a stirred effect on black viewers. Because on the one end, we're like, okay, what does this telling the story do besides affect us? And I think that's why we're having that question of what's the fucking point? Is because it's not because we don't honor the story. It's not because we don't know the, we, we don't honor the validity of the story. We know it's true. We live this day to day, but it has, it's the trauma from it hurts us so deeply that now we're like, okay, it's not making these people better. <laughs> it's not what is it? but it's making us feel horrible. And what's the point So I went on Facebook guys And I had that question And I just asked like Have you watched the film Why or why not I wanted to create a safe space So people could respond And tell tell me how they feel Right And I had a barrage of comments I had a total of about 89 comments And guys Just in those comments Um as they were coming through i literally agree with everyone's comment i do i agree with everyone's comment um and they are so varied the comments were as varied as the diaspora like you have people who said, no, I'm not going to watch it. I'm sick of seeing this, you know, hearing this same story over and over again. And it's never changing for us. Right. Then you have people who say, yes, I watched it with my children because they need to know then you have people that say i'm just not ready right now i just can't take this pain again but i know it's a relevant story um so it was just you had people who said they felt like the world is profiting off of our pain um you know there were just so so many comments i'm gonna read a few of them for you guys just so you can understand um Let's see. So here's one. Yes, I watched it twice because I was too emotional the first time I watched. I watched because I am a mother of a black child and it gave me an opportunity to honor and lift up the lives of those five men. And it also moved me to go after Fairstein and her book sales. sales. Here's another one. No, it's just another for-profit mockumentary playing on the emotions of black people. Um, Another says, no, I'm a social worker and therapist in real life. I deal with many trying situations regularly. So when I want to be entertained, I tend not to choose emotionally or mentally provoking media. It would be an overwhelming overload. No, I am from the area and was in high school when this miscarriage of justice happened, including that clown at 1600 saying they should be hung, please. Please. I wouldn't be able to handle it. Having five sons, things like this hit way too close to home for me. I haven't had the emotional stability to watch yet. I haven't yet. I'm honestly not running to see something that everyone is telling me is a hard watch. I don't have the fuel for that type of program all the time. I turned it off. I'm disgusted and I'm tired of these types of stories being made popular. Who is actually financially benefiting from this? It's a waste of my emotions. Yes, I did. I wasn't born yet when the arrest happened, so I had no clue about it. For me, it's important to watch things like this especially when raising black children so that they know when they're up against, know what they're up against and aren't blindsided or taken advantage of because of ignorance. I also watched to support the men whose story is being told. And so it went on and on like this. And here's one from a father. He says, yes, I watched it with my son. He is 16. I want him to see that the justice system in this country is so not consistent when it comes to people of color. He has to understand not to get caught up in BS. And if it just so happens to fall into his lap the way it did in this movie to those kids, one, keep his mouth shut. Two, call your parents. And three, I ain't signing shit. So as you can see, like there were so many. And that's just, I think I may have read maybe 10 of those to you guys. That's just some of the many um, mental angst that the our viewers, our listeners, our audience, our people are going through. And... I so agree. Like I said, I can agree with all of them. Every person's opinion and response, I agree with. Because I get you. I understand why a father needs to watch that with his son. I understand why a social worker just can't bear it again. I understand how you already knew the story and you don't have time for it again, how it's going to play out. I understand how you think that. This network, Netflix, is, is profiting off of our pain. I understand all of these. All of these responses. And so, I really think we as African Americans have to have that conversation out loud about our mental dexterity about our mental angst, about what we're going through, when we carry this smile and just beneath the surface, we are in a constant state of rage. I liken it to uh, Brother Baldwin's comment that to be conscious in any way is to be in a constant state of rage. And this is so, so true. That I believe as a black woman I live in a controlled state of rage It's like I'm angry, angry, angry And I have every right in this world to be But I control it I keep the lid on I don't bubble over I control it And I believe that's what we're all doing But here's the thing guys If you've had a mate And y'all had an argument before and they just let that thing stew. What do you know? You know that that is the beginning of a terrible situation. You try to talk to your mate. You're like, hey, let's talk it out because there's no need to just hold this thing in. So it's interesting how we want our relational partners to talk to us about this. But white America does not want us talking about this. And we're not talking about it. And I kind of understand why black people don't talk about this. You know, this is kind of where the whole don't even talk about what goes on in the house anymore, you know, comes from. It's because if you talk about it, there's no justice. Where's the justice? Where's telling, you know, we've never had a place to go to get justice. So where do you air that out? Only amongst yourselves, only in the sanctity and security of your own home. And I say security lightly. But that's where we do it. And that's why we keep things in the house. So. (sighs) The PTSD has gone unchecked and just reading those responses, if you watched it or didn't watch it, the fact that you didn't watch it is still um, an effect of the trauma, like I recognize that I am traumatized so much so that I don't even want to watch, right? And we and the people who said they were watching to let their children know that's that's an effect of trauma. I need to let them know because this is going to be their protection. We all react to trauma differently. And each one of those responses was a reaction to the trauma that we have been facing in America for 400 plus years of oppression and injustice and ongoing injustices to this day. And you know what we wonderful black people do? We put this glorious smile on and we carry ourselves, we, 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 we walk and talk and act as normal people with all of this rage bubbling just beneath the surface. But here's the tenacity of black people that I love. We've been able to do it, guys. We've been able to hold it in without losing our fucking minds. Black people should have went crazy a long time ago, but we don't. And so taking a page from my mom, that is the strength that I can pull from this trauma. Like my mom always says like, okay, we live in a world of injustice. You can either stew in the injustice or you can get your power from how you persevere. And that is what I do. That is what I, 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 it took me time to do it, guys. It took me a moment to get here. That's why this show is late. This episode is late today. But that is what I try to do. It's pull from the pain, the strength. The mental dexterity of black Americans is amazing. It is bewildering. And I posted the other day, Our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond comprehension. I think it says belief, but I like comprehension. Like we to be able to do that on a day to day basis, guys, we ain't even talking about code switching yet. We just talking about holding all this rage just beneath the surface and not going mad. (laughs) Black people are just, we are magic. We are magical. Black people are not allowed a space to decompress, to exhale, to scream. But we go on smiling and it seems like based on these comments, I've noticed that enough is becoming enough. I don't know how much longer this mental dexterity can hold out while it is strong. It shouldn't have lasted this long, but I'm not sure how much longer black people can keep this rage at bay. Because the coping isn't beginning to work, guys. But I do have a couple of techniques. (laughs) I got a couple of techniques to share with you. What do you do to control your black rage? Now, that is the question that I have for you guys. Um, some people may feel offended by calling it black rage. I don't, I don't, don't let white people tell you that being angry is wrong and that feeling rage is wrong. It's not guys. We have every right in this world to feel anger and rage when you, when you've been treated the way that we have been treated. Okay. I have to make that clear. Because I've noticed like there's this dialogue of, you know, they call us the angry black woman and we try to stay away from that being called that. But my thing is like, if you call me angry black woman, hell yeah, I am. I got tons to be angry about. You want to hear you want to start the list? Yeah. Yeah. I'm angry. I'm not upset. I'm angry. Very. I'm angry that you don't care when black women go missing. I'm angry that 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 young black men are treated the way that they're treated on the streets i'm angry that you judge judge us before you even speak to us i'm angry yes i'm angry i'm not upset that's nothing to be upset about that's everything to be angry about so let's change the way we we look at these but what do you do to control your black rage what do you do to control your black rage and If you have an answer for me, you want me to share on the next show, um, which will, like I said, I'm going to continue to talk about this because it's time, it's time. Um, Send the email to the dope black chick at gmail.com. Okay. So here are some things that I do to control my black rage. I take black days. (laughs) I take them often. These are mental health days for me when I feel the pressures from the injustices and the oppression of black people. So I definitely took a black day on Monday. Um, I just wasn't feeling it. Number two, be educated on your history, but don't re-traumatize yourself. Like it, we need to be educated on this because there are some people that didn't know about the central part five. So educate yourself, but don't, Retraumatize yourself with it. Like, I think there's a, a certain amount you could consume a day. You know, I don't know. It's based on how you feel. But when you start to feel like, uh, I can't take it, pause it, walk away from it, you know, come back to it later. My mom doesn't want to retraumatize herself. So she did. She stopped. She said, I had to take it in doses. I could not watch the entire thing. All right, so number three is talk about your feelings even when you don't understand them. I didn't quite fully understand why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. I thought I was having a moment of uh, non-productivity, right? I was like, you need to, you know, I need to focus on my work and, and what I need to get. But in the back of my mind, you got this thought of what's the fucking point? And I thought that was just me being fatigued or unproductive. But in actuality, it was a reaction to the trauma, you know? So you have to talk that thing out and you really have to speak your feelings. I talk to myself all the time. I do. Because I have to understand my mind. I have to understand my mind so that I can understand what how I react to things, right? And then finally... Open dialogue about injustice or microaggressions needs to happen. And it needs to happen when you see it. If you're at work and your um, and your coworkers who are non-black are saying little things or doing privilege-ass things that they do, if that happens, say something. I know a lot of y'all be like, I ain't trying to lose my job. I'm not trying to make you lose a job, but I know that your mental health is better than that job. That much I know. I'm just saying, speak up and say, hey, that ain't cool what you're saying. And you don't have, it doesn't have to be where you want to fight them yet. Cause see, this is the thing. If you don't say something you're going to get to the point where you want to fight them. Right? So educate them quickly. Look, that that's not stuff you want to say around me. And I'm going to tell you why blah 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 and i know we don't all want to be the educators in america i get it that's another story itself like this is all the trouble right we we get tired of being the educators well i gotta educate you on how to be a human being with some sex i get it but these are steps that you have to take to protect your mental health you know now if for you it just means walking away from them then do that. But for me, I know I'm very vocal. So I would, I love calling people out. Like, what's wrong with you? That was dumb. That was insensitive. Don't do that. You know? So I don't have a problem doing that. It's based on you. But those are just some of the things that I do to control my black rage. And um, again, I'm going to end this by saying black people are magical. We are. We have fortitude and we can persevere and we overcome every freaking odd that is thrown our way. And for that, I am thankful and blessed to be a black person. So I'm going to end on that. I love all my beautiful black people. You are truly dope. Peace and blessings.